age discrimination, we have discrimination on grounds of sexual orientation, on uh, against women. I mean, there's still companies in Hong Kong, Hang Seng companies, that don't have any women on their boards. Do we need to make take stronger steps to try and remove that? So it is attractive for overseas companies to come here and set up and, and provide jobs. Uh, yes, this has been uh, one of the well the area of discussion that have been uh, so far in the past uh, couple of years, in particular the, the the gender equality and also the to try to reduce all different kinds of uh, discrimination. In fact, it, it, this, I don't have the time to explain it, but but in fact the employment support scheme by itself can actually give some advantage for those employees who are 65 plus. Uh, but that, that is a very tricky thing to explain. But, but the design uh, actually uh, will encourage employers to keep their senior employees. Well, thank you very much for coming in this morning. Always good to talk to you, Dr. Lok. Okay. That's the Secretary for Labour and Welfare, Dr. Lo Chi Kwong. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's have a final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia losing most of its early gains now. It's up just 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan up about a third of a percent. Over in South Korea, the Cosby has rallied about 0.6%. And the futures markets looking fairly firm for the Hang Seng. Looks like it's going to add about 120 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil continuing its fine rally. It's at $35.98 a barrel at the moment. Uh, and gold also close to that seven-year high it reached the other day, $1,747 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning for uh, Money Talk. Uh, back chat is coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Mainly cloudy, a few showers. Those showers will have a few th squally thunderstorms later and the temperature will be maximum temperature around 29 degrees. The outlook is for heavy showers and squally thunderstorms at first tomorrow and those showers will ease off over the weekend and the weather's going to remain unsettled early next week. It's 27 degrees right now, 90 2% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The World Health Organization says 106,000 new coronavirus cases have been reported, the most in a single day since the outbreak began. Speaking in Geneva, its head, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said the vast majority were in just four countries. We still have a long way to go in this pandemic. We're very concerned about the rising numbers of cases in low- and middle-income countries. And WHO is supporting member states to ensure supply chains remain open and medical supplies reach health workers and patients. The Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis says the tourist season will start on June the 15th with charter flights resuming in July. In a televised speech, Mr Mitsotakis said tax on air, train, boat and bus tickets would be reduced on a temporary basis. He said precautions would be taken. There will be sample testing of our visitors and adherence to health protocols. However, this won't cast a shadow on our bright sun or the natural beauty of Greece. Our weapon is the passport of security, reliability and health that our country has gained. Two men wanted on suspicion of helping the former Nissan boss Carlos Ghosn escape from Japan have been arrested in the United States. Mr Ghosn flew to Lebanon after fleeing bail last year. He'd been charged with underreporting his income and misusing company funds. Here's the BBC's Barbara Pletusher. Court papers tell the tale of an escape plot facilitated by a former U.S. Special Forces soldier, Michael Taylor, and his son, Peter. 
They say the elder Mr. Taylor and a Lebanese accomplice flew into Japan in December with two large black boxes. They claim to be musicians carrying audio equipment, but instead are alleged to have helped Carlos Ghosn hide in one of the boxes, which they then loaded onto a private jet. Two days later, Mr. Ghosn showed up in Lebanon. The younger Mr. Taylor was arrested in Boston on Wednesday as he prepared to travel to Lebanon. Prosecutors said he and his father posed a flight risk and must remain in detention while the U.S. awaits a formal extradition request from Japan. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. And we're going to be talking today about unemployment and about the proposed civil servants' pay rise. The jobless rate has increased to 5.2%, the highest in more than a decade. Unemployment and consumption and tourism-related sectors soared to 9%, also the highest in more than 15 years, with joblessness in the food and beverage industry hitting 12%. The Secretary for Labour and Welfare has said more than 90% of employees Employers are expected to apply for wage subsidies, the coronavirus relief scheme. Meanwhile, the government-appointed pay trend survey committee is recommending increases of between 1.15 and 1.68% for civil servants. The proposed pay rises come after the Hong Kong Chinese Civil Servants Union called for salaries to be frozen in light of the pandemic. What do you make of the unemployment figures? Should civil servants get their rise? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bank Chat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, Bank chat at rthk.hk or you can give us a call on 233-88266 and later we're going to be looking ahead to the MPC and CPPCC sessions shortly to open in uh, Beijing and uh, what current issues are likely to be on the agenda for this year as ever our email address bankchat at rthk.hk right, pause uh, a couple of emails on uh, other topics that have uh, come in. Uh, just relating, relating to, first of all, to uh, yesterday's discussion. Uh, Peter M says, Your listener who said he was just an ordinary expat representing the silent majority and suggested that the border be open to let the PLA come in and crack some heads should observe the outcome of the district elections, unless he is suggesting that the silent majority don't even vote. That comes from uh, Peter M. And Andrew K uh, reacting to a program to Hong Kong today this morning on, on RTHK says unfortunately giving airtime again to Chris Patton Hong Kong's worst and last colonial governor his views on Hong Kong are not worth hearing and as I have said before history will judge this guy badly that comes from uh, Andrew Kay thank you very much indeed back chat at rthk.hk joining us now we have uh, Eddie Lau who's vice president of the SME Global Alliance Felix Chung lawmaker and leader of the Liberal Party and we hope Vera Yun assistant lecturer in the faculty of business and economics at the University of uh, Hong Kong uh, Mr Lau maybe we'll start with you good morning good morning uh, what do you make of that uh, overall figure of 5.2 percent and then employment rate yeah I think it's just the beginning uh, I look at the employment rate uh, in U.S. Uh, for April, I think has gone up to 15%, I think 14.7%, uh, which is a lot higher uh, compared to uh, the um, last figure in U.S., which is about, I think, 5%. So it's gone up a lot in the past few months. So now we see Hong Kong 
at the rate of uh, you know five point two. I think it's just the beginning. Uh, I think uh, when you look at uh, uh, SMEs, look at the empty shops on the street. I think it's a good indicator. Uh, this is just the beginning, um, and we don't know when when the tourists will come back. Uh, what um, what force will drive this back to normal? So I, I think like we we could easily see double uh, figure uh, in in the unemployment rate. And you think this will be strongest in the hospitality or worst in the hospitality industries? Well, exactly. I mean, when you look at the room rates in, in hotels, uh, some of the rates we've never seen before, like one of the hotels in the um, Simsashari, Jordan area, I think back in the 90s, we paid like around like seven to 800. We think we got good rate. Uh, but recently, we have friends from Canada, they come back to Hong Kong. They get the rate like in like 300 per night. So we never heard of that before. So I think it tells how bad the hospitality, I mean, the hotel business is. Hmm. Uh, 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 is there anything the government can do about it except prop people up with this scheme, which is presumably just a temporary measure? Uh, I think one of the best things we've seen from the government is the uh, uh, employment support scheme, which helped to uh, pay salary for for. Like all business, including uh, SMEs, I, I think this is a lot of bad measure. Uh, but I don't know how long the government can do this. Uh, the the plan right now is to provide for six months. So what happened af after the six months? Well, will, will the government pay more? Uh, would the business, would the economy come back after six months? I think this is a big, big concern uh, among the uh, SME sectors. Do you see a way out? What would you like the government to do? This is not really of the government's making, is it? Well, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> okay. like back back in like two thousand three with, with SARS, uh, at this at that time, like we also uh, don't know like what what the uh, what could be helpful. Uh, what could we we jumpstart the economy? At that time, I think the good thing we've seen, uh, you know, from from China to help out is really to open up the tourist market and let more cities, more citizens in China to come to Hong Kong. I think they really bring back the economy. We really get the momentum back, and uh, Hong Kong. Uh, grow uh, the economy uh, from from that point onward, but this this time, like, do you do we really see the tourists from China will come back to Hong Kong? I think it's not going to be the same as before. So, are we getting tourists from other parts of the world uh, with, with uh, COVID nineteen situation right now? Like everything is stopped. So, I, I think it's one of the worst scenario we've never seen uh, in business. Well, in the tourist business, but then we've just got to start doing other business. Well, Hong Kong has been talking about it for 10 years, 20 years, and like seeking new direction, new business um, sectors, like Chinese medicine. You know, but medicine. of course, economically, we're not, that, uh, tourism is not particularly significant, is it? It's significant in terms of employment, but as a sector of GDP, it's only, you know, like around 5% or something. But then the other things comes from um, investment, finance, uh, so I, I hope that um, two pillars, so to speak, uh, could still stand. Uh, otherwise, I mean, we can see unemployment rate shoot up the roof, like ten percent, twenty percent. So it, it's really worrisome, uh, you know, from from what I've seen from now. Mm. Uh, Felix Chung, uh, Liberal Party leader. Good morning yeah, to you. Morning. Thanks for joining us. Do you, do you see ten percent, twenty percent unemployment as a possibility? Uh, I, I I won't see that uh, uh, in the near future. Because, uh, yeah, of course, we know the unemployment rate is 5.2%. is still growing. But with the government uh, employment support scheme, I mean, that certainly will help. Because a lot of enterprises initially, uh, 
plan to uh, lay off quite a lot of uh, employees because of this plan. They decided to hold it for a while, at least for another six months. So the unemployment rate will not go for that far um, because of this employment support scheme. But certainly we have a very big concern about, uh, as Eddie said, what happened after six months. Well, that really depends on the situation of COVID-19. I mean, even though, I mean, in Hong Kong ourselves, the situation wasn't too bad, isn't too bad. But uh, the, the overall situation in the world is still very serious, especially our trading partner. The two major trading partners, the, the U.S. and EU, are still suffering from the COVID-19. If the economy um, do not come back to a normal situation, we won't be we won't be um, we won't be good. Also, because we depend a lot of the export business too. The export business then will relate to transportation, professional service, finance, everything. So they they are all re, uh, interrelated. So do you think we should team up with? somewhere like Australia and New Zealand who haven't had such a bad experience with COVID and, and have some kind of special tourism yeah. arrangement with them? Certainly we, we, we can do, but they are a very small market. But of course, we can also look at the Chinese market. The, China, the, the situation in China is getting better. The economy is opening up. So we may have to look at that market too, or, or the Southeast Asia, because as overall the Southeast Asia situation, the ASEAN country uh, are not too bad uh, compared to the, the Western world. So, I mean, we have to diversify the, the market situa- situation, but it's not easy because that will take time. So is it a marketing job or will it just take time or what could we actually do? I think we all have this pent-up feeling of needing to do something. Well, certainly marketing promotion are the first thing to do. But at, at this present moment, even even we cannot travel. So, I mean, it's very difficult to um, um, do anything right now. But of course, um, the, the COVID-19 change of livelihood totally, especially the internet, the, the social media. Uh, certainly we have to focus on that. We have to uh, invest a lot more on the technology, on developing the social media, the, the internet business, so that uh, we, we do not have to see people face to face. You know, now the Zoom is very um, uh, popular. Uh, online shopping is very popular. So we may have to think about doing a lot more in that direction than traditional way. Is there really a future for, for tourism, especially China tourism? Do you think people in China want to come to Hong Kong? Haven't they got well, very clearly an impression that uh, they're not welcome in Hong Kong? Well, that really depends on the attitude of, of the Hong Kong people now. Um, Do you think that's course, changed? It, it won't change in, uh, in the short period of time. Uh, people, well, the Hong Kong people have to understand, or they have to think about whether you still want the the Hong Kong tourist. I mean, we we understand uh, in the past few years we have maybe we have too many. We have over fifty millions of Chinese visitors every year. Um, there certainly is um, uh, helping our economy, but. Are we looking for high-value travelers or just volumes, quantities, quality of quantities? So we have to think about that. I mean, 
certainly Hong Kong is an international city. It's a very open uh, uh, economy. We should welcome everybody. Okay. We shouldn't have discrimination or, 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 or whoever. But I mean, the Chinese people certainly is part uh, is part of our nation. So I mean, we should welcome them. But I mean, uh, the attitude of the Hong Kong people, we have to think about. Shall we have the same um, attitude, or or the the government or have to change the policy on working on some uh, high value at the visitors, business visitors, or just as I said, the warning? Because because arguably, um, yeah, after after SARS, uh, changing the arrangements for for visitors increased tourism here, but maybe overdid it. Uh, we had 62 million visitors a year, more than anywhere else in the world. Exactly. Uh, uh, and maybe there were just too many. Yeah. Well, I mean, the capacity that Hong Kong has certainly cannot take up more than more than 50 million, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. So that, that's why I'm saying that we should target on some high-value-added, high-value visitors rather than uh, just... Um, we're talking about number of people or the growth of the visitors. So uh, the, we, the government has to think about that, or even the choice of industries have to think about that. Okay. Well, also with us now is, is Vera Yun, Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning to you, Ms. Yun. Good morning. Hi, thanks for, for joining us. What do you make of the, the news about the, uh, the unemployment? Is it uh, within your expectation, and what do you think is going to be the, the uh, result of this uh, increase? Um, I have been expecting that it will be there will be a um, rising unemployment rate. I mean, it's actually not a um, very bad number compared with other countries in the world um, because of our flexible labor market. So many of them, like um, you know, it, it's already like could be adjusted by you know um, uh, getting part time or so. Um, but I think the government has done a lot of measures in, you know, helping to um, lower the number that is the subsidized um, enterprises. And also um, we have um, some rescue package, stimulus package, um, so people can receive um, immediate relief from the government, although we are still waiting for that $10,000, but well, at least we have a pretty, um, I think, substantial package in helping people to um, you know, uh, you know, to face the challenges and difficulties during these um, um, COVID time. Um, and then if you look at the number of other countries, some estimated actually in, in China, the countries are like maybe 20% of unemployment rate and many other countries, I mean, originally they already have two-digit unemployment rate. So, you know, a, a 5.2% is not actually very high if you're talking about you know there's not there was lockdown and you know nobody was on the street and nobody wanted to consume anything and our market overseas i mean they do not buy from us and do not consume so it's actually not a very bad number okay uh, a couple of uh, emails first one is from lk 
Uh, who says, Dear Backchat, the ESF has applied for the government's employment support scheme, that's the one we're talking about, which is supposed to help struggling SMEs. Now, according to a recruitment ad, the ESF is looking to hire an internal communications manager who will, quote, handle the internal communication response to crisis situations which affect organisational perception and reputation, unquote. Here's a suggestion for the ESF. If you really want to improve perception and reputation, give back the government funds, public money for public schools. Your students study in luxury unimaginable by the vast majority of Hong Kong kids. And to the Hong Kong government, can those of us whose children go to local schools, i.e. most Hong Kong parents, please stop subsidising private educational businesses well funded enough to hire PR managers. That comes uh, from LK. Thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, And uh, on the uh, second topic today, the related topic, that of the civil service pay rise uh, which has been proposed, um, Richard says, uh, Richard S. says uh, civil service morale as a factor in assessing pay is just code for the jeopardy or sustenance of loyalty. Civil servants are somewhat pampered compared with the private sector and in times of stress the government shells out for loyalty. Let's not forget the administration's recent edict that the civil service must follow and be loyal to the CE. It's now not deemed to be a civil service in the English or Latin sense of service to the people. It's service to the dear leader. That comes, as I say, from, from Richard S., uh, Felix Chung. So the patron survey is uh, is uh, recommending these uh, increases be- between about one and a quarter and and two percent. Uh, what do you think the government should be doing about civil service pay at this time? Um, well, actually, I am expecting three um, in a coming fiscal year, like next year. It's not going to happen this year because government always has a lag, and um, you know the pay rise. Uh, they may not be a pay rise, yes, as the government claimed, but if you look at SARS, at their time, they did not um, cut uh, civil service salary immediately because it took time for the procedures um, to take place. So actually, it lagged behind for like um, one year. So, why, does it, uh, why does it take so much time? I mean, how can you justify a year's lag on something like this? Uh, well, usually, this is the government's beat of doing things because you need uh, the consent, maybe, and then um, getting through the legislative council, um, you know, all these things. Um, they, I mean, even for them to make a, you know, package or to deal with the immediate situation of the COVID, it took them like weeks. So for salary, right, this kind of thing, they still have the money, it's not quite urgent and, you know, it's the government, you know, way of doing things. Felix Chung, what do you think of this uh, suggestion? You mean the... The pay rise, yeah. Pay rise. Well, um, of course, the data they are having right now is not updated. And the situation changed so differently. Uh, I, I think it's quite impossible for the civil servants to get the, 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 the pay rise this time. As everybody knows, the unemployment rate is now 5.2%. Um, a lot of the employees got uh, low pay leave or reduction of salaries. I mean, how can the, com- the, the Hong Kong society or community will expect the government or the civil servants can get a uh, pay rise in this uh, serious situations? Even, I mean, in the last maybe two months ago, e- even asking the administration to reduce the salaries. But of course, they did reduce it by 10 percent, but it's not enough. Um, compared to Singapore, it's 30%. So 
Well, actually, there's some voices asking for reductions of salaries from the, the, the administrations rather, to, rather than giving them the, the pay rise. What do you think would be appropriate? What would you support then? Well, at least uh, we have to frozen it and uh, see what's happening in, in the next uh, two quarters of the economy. So uh, that is the basic, the, the minimum, I, I would say, the minimum requirement is frozen, frozen the, the, the series of, uh, of all the civil servants. But, I mean, uh, they, they actually every year they have uh, the benefit of uh, the, the pawn drives. Everybody got uh, certain 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 rise in the salaries already, so uh, uh, it, it's fair. It's fair that uh, have we just frozen it this time. Does this figure cover the police um, pay increase too, or are they assessed separately? Sorry, um, civil service. Does this cover police pay, or is are police handled uh, separately from regular civil servants? No, uh, no, everybody, everybody. Okay. Uh, Eddie Lau, what do you think about the civil service payroll? Yeah, I tend to agree with uh, what Phoenix just said. Um, you know, at, at this time, um, you know, economic downturn, all these problems in the society, it'd be lucky to have a fixed pay, you know, for all business uh, owners. Uh, it's really difficult time. So when we talk about, like, the perception, uh, sentiment thing, it's like, well, we, we, we see you guys so lucky getting a fixed pay now, uh, you know, you're talking about pay raise. So I think at least uh, what, what the society, what the general public would expect is at least, uh, you know, frozen the salary instead uh, of, of a pay rise. Uh, even if that's against the, the procedure, the mechanism, the well-established mechanism for looking at pay rise, pay, pay trends. Well, and I think we take care of uh, exceptional situation with exceptional measures. I mean, government handing out money to private sector to help to pay salary, I think that's exceptional. Uh, nothing like that has been done before. So this time, I think the government should at least preserve financial strength to help, uh, you know, the society, uh, help the business owners, help the economy. So government should, uh, you know, reserve money rather than, you know, hand out salary raise to, to the uh, civil service. What, what about trimming the civil service? Do you think that they should actually be reducing the civil service at this time? Well, that's up to the government to, to decide. But, I mean, general public will think, like, well, getting a government job is a good job. Uh, you know, um, uh, workload not so heavy, hours are pretty regular. That's not what business owners would experience on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so probably if the government can do something like that, that may be a, uh, a wise political measure. Felix Chung, is there an argument for actually reducing numbers for cutting the civil service at this time? Expanding in the last five years uh, in a very fast way. Um, of course, every time when the, the government comes to Lechko asking for uh, new positions, they always say we have a lot of services that have to serve the community. Um, I, I think we have to think about that too, because uh, a lot of the positions are the expansions of the infrastructure work or the um, or, or the social social uh, welfare works. So um, right now in, in the present situation, I, I think cutting is not the right timing because uh, everybody needs a job. I mean, the unemployment rate is already very high in, in the um, local community. I mean, if we at this present moment just cut the job of the civil servants, then they will 
certainly increase in the unemployment rate. So it might not be the present moment, but we have to we can think about that uh, after maybe six months. But but maybe reducing uh, infrastructure and some of the other commitments might be sensible. At this oh time. well, I mean, you know, the economy activity, the economic activity is right now is uh, is very low. Uh, investment, uh, new investment is low. So I mean, if we uh, do not have certain government expenditure, that will actually uh, hurting the economy uh, even badly. So right now. The only investment, the new investment, is from the government. So infrastructure is part of uh, is part of that. So I, I think we need that at the present moment until um, we have a good sign of economy economic recovery. Uh, and Vera Yuan, would you anticipate that the government would try to sort of trim a little bit, maybe uh, over the coming year or so? I actually think um, the government. Um, shouldn't get into a larger size. Um, but then Carrie Lam wanted to expand it because she has so many plans for Hong Kong and then she thinks that there's not enough people for her to use. Um, so um, she may freeze the headcount in increment, but uh, she may not cut it back. But in general, I believe um, the government shouldn't get too big uh, because when the government gets too big, it means more inefficiency in the economy. And um, it depends on, you know, what the new civil servants uh, will be doing for, for Hong Kong. But um, I think, um, in general, me and my colleagues agree that um, the government has been intervened more um, than in the colonial time. In a way, uh, maybe it's needed because um, we, are, we have aging population. There are many problems. The government needs to step into it. The problem is um, Hong Kong government does not know how to, like, you know, do these things. And so they... They're wasting resources, so maybe they shouldn't do so many things. And if they should not do so many things, they should not expand the civil servant um, number. Okay, well, we're going to uh, break now for the news at nine o'clock. Saying goodbye to uh, Felix Chung, lawmaker and uh, Liberal Party leader. We'll continue the discussion after the news at nine. Please uh, join in by giving us a call on two three three eight eight two six six two six six, or by emailing us back at rthk.hk. And we'll do our best to read out your messages later. We're also going to be talking about that uh, that uh, delayed uh, session of the CPPCC and uh, MPC in Beijing. Uh, the weather mainly clouded with a few showers. Some showers with squally thunderstorms later. Twenty seven degrees now and the relative humidity is at 90. Open and medical supplies reach health workers and patients. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is uh, Back Chat on a Thursday morning with uh, me, Hugh Chiverton, and uh, Anna Fenton. We're talking about unemployment and the proposed civil service pay rise. We're continuing the discussion from the first part of the programme. And later also, we're going to be in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to be talking about the uh, CPPCC and NPC, the joint session uh, opening tomorrow, I think it is, uh, in Beijing. Uh, so what's likely to be on the agenda. Uh, uh, if you want to comment, please join in. Give us a call, 233-88266. We'll put you on air. You can join the conversation uh, or you can uh, drop us an email backchat at rthk.hk is our address or you can comment on our facebook page and everyone can see what you write there that's backchat on rthk radio 3 
Uh, some comment uh, then from listeners, just first of all about an unrelated issue or one that's not directly related to what we're talking about in this part of the programme. <clears throat> S says, we keep hearing the ad about fake news and part of it says, even if it seems true, does not mean it is true. What about Carrie Lamb quoting Nelson Mandela wrongly and obviously for the wrong reasons? And Nelson Mandela was fighting for freedom. Um, <clears throat> Anthony uh, has a few uh, emails. Uh, he says, first of all, when we talk about pay freeze, does it also apply to RTHK journalists? Question mark. <clears throat> Excuse me. The short answer is yes, uh, Anthony, uh, unless they're uh, freelancers. Um, most are, or many are uh, uh, civil servants, so that would apply to uh, them as it applies to me. Uh, the uh, issue of a pay freeze or any pay increase. Uh, Anthony uh, also says there is a notion from the pan-demolition camp, if adults are willing to go on strike, the young don't need to crash, being mobs. Uh, and uh, one more comment. Uh, infrastructure investment is long-term. Uh, they can create more jobs and boost the employment market. It's key to recovering the economy. That thought comes from uh, Anthony. Uh, Vera Yun, uh, just before nine, you were talking about uh, plans by uh, uh, Carrie Lam, the chief executive, to, uh, to to do more things, to spend more money. Um, uh, would infrastructure, do you think, be on the list? Do you think uh, infrastructure is something that uh, might interest her in the way that, uh, of course, it caught Donald Jung's uh, attention very much? Do you think that might be uh, a way to stimulate and get the economy moving again? Well, I think not only Carrie Lam, but, you know, like most of the cities of Hong Kong, they focus a lot on infrastructure, thinking that it can help um, stimulate um, the economy. The problem with it is many of our infrastructures have, um, like, projected negative returns. I mean, like, from their perspective, they write some reports and saying that, you know, they will be able to work it, but, like, from our perspective... Some of them are not going to get back um, the money they invested in. So uh, they shouldn't be doing that or they should um, change the plan to a, to a lower cost one and other route and so um, they can have better returns. Such and another a, thing is what? because Hong Kong is a what? developed economy, such so it's harder to find projects that give you good return as other developing countries in terms of infrastructure. So I actually think the government shouldn't spend so much on it. So what, what alternative would you think? I mean, you know, bridges to Macau are, are just white elephants, aren't they? They're just pouring concrete into a hole. Yes, in fact, that is um, the case. Um, many of the infrastructure in Hong Kong, they are not built um, like because of Hong Kong's need, but because of the need of, you know, the greater China's more strategic um, infrastructure for um the PLC rather than Hong Kong. So it's not from the perspective of Hong Kong to build all, you know, high high speed railway and, you know, bridges, that kind of thing. So when you, when you talked about Carrie Lam having ambitious plans or, or plans, things to do, what were you, what did you have in mind there? I, I don't know what she wants to do, but um, she, um, it's a, you know, big government mindset kind of person. Um, she, she was from the social work department before and then so there will be many more um implementation of new policy i guess uh, therefore she thinks she needs more um officers workers to work out the policy details for her um but then you know these days she she wanted to hire like 10,000 people so that is temporary uh, just because of the coronavirus impact they want to you know 
um, lower the unemployment rate and alleviate a little bit. Hmm. Are, are there opportunities as well coming out of the uh, of the coronavirus? Uh, will there be uh, new restaurants, new businesses emerging? Because it's a kind of winnowing of the of the economy as well. Well, there will be, um, especially you know, medical industry. I mean, it's a big business. Like all like different countries are setting up um, factories, manufacturing these products, putting in research and development funds to, you know, look for vaccines and stuff. But the problem is whether Hong Kong can, you know, share this market because um, Hong Kong benefited from having good relationships um, between the U.S. and China. And Hong Kong kind of bridged, you know, um, the business in between. And now nowadays, these two countries, they are um, getting worse in, in the terms, in terms of technological transfer, in terms of trade. So... Hong Kong as the middleman of them, would they be benefiting or would, you know, there will be more business, but does Hong Kong get the share of it? Um, I doubt that. Okay, a couple more comments. Uh, Anthony says about infrastructure, uh, he was suggesting more uh, spending on infrastructure. Uh, Anthony says, about infrastructure, it's from Ray Dalio, the co-founder of hedge fund Bridgewater and the one who predicted the global financial crisis. All infrastructure projects are all having poor returns, get, get they give an external impact on other industries. Come one, you need to read some books, uh, says uh, Anthony. And uh, <clears throat> Alan says, uh, Backchat, your guest Felix Chung is advocating we push to get more mainland tourism. Bad idea. That was a large factor in stoking resentment of Beijing. And Beijing has been spreading reports about how badly they're treated in Hong Kong, most wildly exaggerated. But it can only get worse. In any case, mainland tourists are really very little benefit to Hong Kong as a whole. Groups of people on day trips buying imported goods are just dodging mainland tax. They could easily do the same in anywhere in China if they made it a tax haven. Hong Hong Kong is not promoting its culture or landscape, not making anything to sell, just transshipping stuff like Rolexes and milk powder. Most of the jobs are minimum wage. The main benefits go to the landlords of the shops, and the more of these shops, the more locals resent their lives being disrupted. Selling imported trinkets leads to more inequality, not prosperity. We need industries that capitalise on what we do better than others, like education. But sadly, Beijing's heavy hand on that sector will make it unattractive to foreign students. That, uh, thoughts come from uh, Alan. Thank you for mentioning you for that. Backchat.rthk.hk. Um, Vera Yun, while what, what you're here, just I mean a couple of characteristics of the Hong Kong economy uh, before this all started, you know, going back to uh, the first part, say, of last year, um, uh, are, uh, of course, uh, very high uh, uh, cost of uh, uh, residential uh, property and also very high inequality rates. Do you expect either of those to change? Do you think that property might get cheaper? Do you think that we might become a little bit more uh, equal in our society? Well, it's, it's very difficult to say because um, people expect it to fall for um, a greater percentage, but it um, does not, and then it kind of bounces back. So people are pessimistic about the Hong Kong economy, but positive in the property price. So, um, I mean, there are a few factors that affect the property market, and many of them actually help with the rise. That is the um, um, low, lower credit rate, um, the quantitative easing of the U.S., and also there will be um, short in supply of um, 
uh, constructed units in the coming, you know, five years or even ten years in the private market and in the public market. Um, so these factors actually would, in the medium run, um, help with um, to sustain um, the property price. But um, on the other hand, I think there's a risk factor that people should not ignore. That is a political factor. Um, the U.S. is going to you know, do something on China and the report on. Um, whether um, Hong Kong is exercising one country, two system would be out, and they're going to have a kind of body check thing every, you know, every year to see whether they should maintain um, the special status Hong Kong has um, with its tariff and stuff. So political factor is more unpredictable, and it could um, really affect property prices. But other than that, other, you know, financial factors, economic factors there. I mean, economic factors that is the short term. I mean, even the stock market is not getting doing too bad. Um, so how, like property price is even more long term. So if, if there should be a fall, um, it has not been reflected. But you know, other, you know, supply, demand, and also, you know, credit rate, they are all supporting um, the property prices. Okay, okay, here's a couple of interesting emails. Well, that's all from uh, Anthony, who says, uh, again, why China's growth is higher than India, why Hong Kong's development is faster than Macau. The difference lies in infrastructure development that took decades to break even. And that's why no private companies want to invest in infrastructure. It's like you can't privatise healthcare system and privatise policemen. That's uh, Anthony's take. And uh, John Calhoun has an interesting message uh, with, a, uh, uh, with a, the title of Upside Surprise in Hong Kong Economy? question mark. And, and, and maybe uh, Mr. Lau, Eddie Lau, you might be interested in uh, following up on this. Uh, John Kowloon says it's easy to adopt a negative view on Hong Kong's economy and unemployment, particularly in the hospitality and tourism related sectors. Adopting the role of devil's advocate, here is a more upbeat assessment. The much touted formation of a travel bubble with Guangdong and Macau gives Hong Kong access to a population of about 120 million people. In recent years, an increasing number of mainlanders have skipped Hong Kong and ventured further afield for their leisure trips. But with most of these destinations likely to remain off limits for the next several months because of COVID-19, Hong Kong has exclusive access to this relatively affluent pool of disposable income. Meanwhile, Hong Kong residents, who usually make literally millions of overseas trips per month, especially during the summer months, will largely be grounded in Hong Kong for the foreseeable future, giving the local economy an additional boost. So rather than the doom and gloom scenario that's become the consensus view, perhaps Hong Kong's shops, hotels and restaurants might enjoy a healthy pickup in business in the near term that's uh, uh let's hope so that's uh, the thoughts of uh, john in in kowloon uh eddie lao do you agree is there an upside there well i think uh, well what, what i just said uh is the view about the economy uh but as uh business owners we need to stay positive and find opportunities uh in in these days of crisis and i do see some opportunities in, in uh, environment like that uh, first uh, i think uh, Felix Chong has mentioned is the online thing. Like if tourists, they are not coming to Hong Kong, we can think about how we can go into China, you know, the Bay Area to do business. And uh, for example, education, all of a sudden, uh, you know, for all these uh, universities, Hong Kong, other schools, regardless whether you are ready or not, uh, we are online now. The students are wanting it. They don't want to go to school. They cannot go to school. So when all of these um, um, institutions, schools, they are doing online education, 
what we can really think about, like go across the border, bring education, bring our uh, service online, and go into the China market. So if they don't come to Hong Kong now, we all all of a sudden we have the capability to deliver online. So that's the opportunity I see uh, on, on these days like that. So it's not all bad. We find opportunities. So that's the positive side. So we just keep looking. Uh, we staying alive. We find opportunities. We don't just lay down and die. So that's the positive, positive spirit that I see from from the environment. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, Mike says uh, on the question of the pay increase. Wow, finally someone is is waking up. Pay freeze or pay reduction? Pay attention to what is happening economically. Low interest rate, uh, higher unemployment. Uh, that comes uh, from Mike uh, Vera Yun. There's uh, every uh, likelihood, it seems, uh, that there will be some kind of uh, continuing uh, demonstrations uh, as well. Once the uh, the uh, social distancing uh, regulations are are relaxed, that doesn't seem to have died away. Uh, is that going to doom the economy? Is that uh, something that John Cowlin has not taken into account? Um, yeah, I think it will continue. Um, but compared with the hit of the coronavirus, um, it is not that really serious. I mean, if you look at um, the drop in GDP in the last quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year, uh, it's a huge difference. Um, if that's the case, it will continue to affect um, certain industries like um, retailers, um, restaurants, hotels, but uh, but the other industry um, won't be affected so badly. So um, the overall impact to the economy will be lessened, like from what we have now. But it was still pretty immense. I think we have a very short memory for what it was like during the protests. I mean, banks boarded up. This is this is not um, minimal. Well, if you look at um, the percentage change, um, they concentrate in, you know, the industry that I talk about, beverages, um, restaurants, it's like two digits. But for other industry, um, they actually had a rise year to year, like insurance, you know, real estate is okay, you know, and if they have a fall, it's only like one or two percent uh, or, you know, a very small percentage. So if you look at, you know, information technology, real estate insurance, finance, I mean, trade is affected because of the U.S.-China trade rather than, you know, other, any other affected. So it, it depends on which sectors you're looking at. And the sectors that are worse affected, that is the uh, food and beverages, hotels, and, you know, all these, they do not contribute a large percentage of Hong Kong's economy. So I think based on the numbers, I would um, say something like that. That is a pretty sector-specific. So you wouldn't be worried about a negative impact of the return of the protests? Um... It would be, uh, there would be a negative impact, um, but not as bad as what we have now um, because of the coronavirus. But uh, what the government would do is to say that the impact from um, coronavirus is also due to the protest. I mean, they, they kind of make it up when they, you know, spin it. But, you know, when I look at the numbers, it's pretty clear that some of them are not due to the protest. Okay. Well, Therene, thanks for joining us. Vera Yun, Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mr Lau. Uh, Eddie Lau, Vice President of SME Global Alliance, and also talking to Felix Chung in the first part of the programme uh, this morning. Thank you very much indeed for uh, everyone and for uh, all those uh, thoughts as well uh, expressed through uh, email. Uh, finally today, uh, as mentioned, we wanted to turn to uh, the uh, joint session, the two sessions in Beijing, the MPC and the CPPCC. Uh, about 200 
500 Hong Kong members of the MPC and the uh, CPPCC uh, flew to Beijing yesterday after staying the night for uh, COVID-19 tests. Uh, Chris Young joins us now uh, in his role as the chief writer of Citizen News. Chris, good morning to you. Uh, so what do you think is likely to be top of the agenda? What will they be talking about in this uh, delayed session? Uh, of course, uh, this meeting uh, will be held in a very um, extraordinary say, uh, circumstances. Uh, first, uh, it was deferred uh, for, uh, because of the COVID-19 and uh, a shorter meeting. Uh, but I think the, the world and uh, perhaps uh, everyone uh, are looking at uh, how, perhaps first, uh, how the leadership uh, assess the, um, the, the, the latest situation, uh, the kind of political and economic fallout uh, of COVID-19, uh, which is, of course, uh, still um, um, uh, going on. I mean, um, uh, th 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 there's still a, a, a real threat of um, health uh, crisis. Um, the, the Chinese Communist Party has always, uh, always like to say instill a sense of crisis among the nations, say to rally the people together uh, to tackle the challenges, a, a host of challenges, external and uh, internal. Um, this time, um, um, it's, it's real crisis. I think in, in, in its real sense, uh, uh, look at the world. Uh, they are facing the, the trade war with uh, Donald Trump in the last couple of years. Uh, now it becomes more, far more complicated because of COVID-19. I think the international, the world, the, the, the Western world, uh, or even the, the, the other parts of the world, I think are, 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 are reassessing, uh, say, the relations, uh, economic relations, and perhaps even political relations with uh, China. And domestically, the, the, the Chinese economy is already slowing, I think partly because of the trade war. And now, um, the, uh, I think like all other nations, um, the, the economic slowdown will, uh, will perhaps worsen into some kind of recession. So um, uh, I think perhaps uh, in, in particular the investors will, will be watching how the Chinese government will what they will do to, um, to say, inject, say, uh, new, say, impetus to the economy. Uh, and then, of course, the Hong Kong people are, 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 are concerned about the, um, whether things like Article 23 will, uh, they will have something new to say. Exactly. And, uh, what do you think? What do you think about that, Chris? Sorry. What do you think they'll do about that? Well, uh, there's, there's a lot of speculation that, um, um, they will say uh, push it through in the remaining months of this uh, legislative term. I mean, uh, that's before July, um, which of course uh, is not impossible <laughs> because uh, they control the, the pro-establishment uh, members uh, have the majority in LegCo. So um, now uh, the House Committee uh, Chairman is was elected. Uh, so the legislative uh, process uh, will, well, uh, will be. I think. Uh, well, the major obstacles uh, has now been removed. So, um, so uh, technically, uh, they could say push uh, uh, bills and perhaps uh, even this bill. And of course, uh, politically, politically, it will be disastrous. I think if they say try to say. Um, those uh, Article 23 bill in this uh, legislative year. 
And um, there already been voices, uh, say, from CPPCC and NPC members now in Beijing, say, pushing, putting pressure on the government, or perhaps trying to drum, uh, drum up public opinion uh, uh, about an immediate, say, uh, enactment uh, of the bill. But, but uh, as I said, uh, uh, it will, say, add more oil to the fire uh, in Hong Kong. Hmm. So what's your feeling on this? Well, um, the, now I, 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 think, uh, I think even people who follow or uh, who seem to know China, the Communist Party a bit, uh, now find it more and more difficult to uh, get a hand of what they have in mind uh, because the changes uh, in the past one or two years in particular are so drastic. Uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, there's there's a there's a row over BL22, uh, the the role of the liaison office, uh, Hong Kong and Macau affairs office, the new idea of power to supervise Hong Kong, um, never mentioned uh, uh, before, and in the and nothing in the basic law, but now becomes. Uh, becomes the power or the, the, the basis, the so-called basis for them to comment on issues like education or even in uh, a, a question on an exam, DSE exam paper. So, uh, so I, 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 think, I think people just cannot rule out the possibility uh, that, say, uh, that something, something might happen on BL23. Okay, I guess the other argument would be that uh, there are so many things, as you said, to to worry about at the moment, apart from COVID-19 and the impact on the economy, the trade war, China-U.S. relations, uh, China's deteriorating stance in in the world, and Taiwan uh, as well. Yeah. That with all that, they they just maybe they just can't be bothered. <laughs> They've got enough to think about without stirring things up in Hong Kong as well. Uh, well, uh, that. Perhaps only our wishful thinking that uh, the, the Communist Party, uh, the ruling party, has so many things on their plate that they will leave Hong Kong alone. But I think that has already been proved to be just uh, wishful thinking. Um, uh, I think the opposite is true yeah, now. They, it, yeah, they seem yeah. to, be, to, to, to be really worried about uh, so-called uh, separatism or these ideas in Hong Kong, the young people, the education, the teachers, the journalists. Um, so um, I don't think they will, so perhaps uh, they will fight say, battles on, uh, I think, uh, fight all these battles. Uh, as Hill said, um, Taiwan is, a, is an issue. Uh, Tsai Ing-wen uh, was just swore in. So the next four years, uh, uh, will be, I think, uh, even more bumpy. I mean, uh, uh, of course, uh, there's also the U.S. factor, Trump factor, and um, uh, the well, even even though perhaps uh, Trump uh, may face more uncertainty in the election, but um, the American policy towards China, <coughs> uh, I think, in particular after uh, well, uh, because of COVID-19, uh, will. Uh, uh, that has changed. I think uh, made some changes in the, in the in the perception of the Western world on China. So uh, that those fallout perhaps uh, will uh, will not be short term. Uh, will not be short term. So um, 
I, I think uh, there's also an interesting uh, point to, to, to watch from the sessions is the kind of domestic uh, voices uh, on the leaderships or the local government's handling of COVID-19. And, um, and, and obviously, there's, um, there's a lot of uh, cover-up at least at the, at the early beginning, at the beginning of the um, of, of the epidemic, um, by uh, the local government, the Wuhan government, and then um, during the process, uh, we've seen uh, voices from their say uh, social media about uh, say transparency, about um, say cover up. So that will be, even though uh, we don't, uh, it's difficult to expect a lot from the members, from the delegates, but still perhaps a read between the lines, uh, it will, uh, will get an idea of the kind of a domestic pressure uh, from the Chinese people or the, 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 the intellectuals or um, on the Communist Party. And, and Xi Jinping will have to respond. Okay, Anthony in an email says, Chris, uh, Hong Kong enjoyed 50 years of peace after David Trench introduced the rioting charge, but it seems outdated now. What about introducing Article 23 to avoid further riots in Hong Kong? That comes from Anthony. Chris Young? Well, uh, they, um, perhaps uh, that's something that they are, they are prepared, say, to, to bear the, 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 the fallout and the... Um, uh, and the damages, and the damages, and uh, I think it's it's all quite obvious uh, the kind of a uh, uh, disastrous impact. Uh, but now it, it seems that uh, they would like to do what they think uh, to be right uh, at almost all costs. Yeah, what about that? Because it's 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 obvious uh, that uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks, the uh, government has has cracked down and stepped up uh, on measures, you know, on RTHK, on the exam authority, you have the IPCC report, um, uh, and so on. In many fields, the, the government is, is behaving much more uh, aggressively. Um, what does, do they think that they will change hearts and minds? Is, is that the plan, or they...? Uh, not very, uh, very, very, unlike, very, very unlikely. I think their assessment is that um, uh, they should not, uh, they, 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 they must not be soft uh, or, or make concessions, uh, like Carrie Lam did uh, since June last year, even on matters like the extradition bill. Uh, 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 un until the very last mo late moment that, they, that she has withdrawn uh, withdraw the bill. Um, so I think their overall assessment uh, on Hong Kong since 97 is that uh, they had been too soft uh, on Hong Kong and uh, too tolerant from politics to education to media. So now uh, they want to reverse that. Um, so uh, that process uh, is still going on. Uh, well, perhaps until some point that uh, is proved to be not just wrong, but is the disasters for Hong Kong that they will say change course again. Uh, but I don't see that possibility in the near term. Okay, one, one more quick email from Anthony. He says, Chris, has or will your news outlet apply for the government's COVID-19 money? Well, 
like any well uh, if they uh, if they are eligible if they are eligible so uh, like uh, like any other citizens and corporations uh, why why not I mean uh, what what's the uh, what's the problem uh, is it a politically uh, uh, assess uh, fund uh, what I can see are quite clear and uh, uh, criteria. Uh, I think Anthony can go to the website and look at it, whether there's any uh, uh, other uh, criteria that um, restricts or favors a particular company or corporations. I, I, don't, I don't see the point of asking that question. Okay. Well, Chris Young, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Chief Writer with uh, Citizens News. Uh, Anna, thank you very much indeed. Thank you to everyone who uh, contributed uh, and uh, commented. Back again at 8.30 tomorrow. Uh, well, here's the weather. Mainly cloudy with a few showers. More showers with a few squally thunderstorms later. Temperatures today up to 29 degrees and the outlook heavy showers and squally thunderstorms at first tomorrow. The showers easing off over the weekend, but the weather will remain unsettled early next week. 27 degrees now. Relative humidity, 94%. Violence won't solve a problem. It can be seen that shops were damaged and on fire. Violence won't change us for the better. Stop fighting! Please think deeply. Violence only fosters hate and damage, but nothing else. Stop violence. Think rationally. Rebuild Hong Kong for the next generation. Nine thirty-three. the news with Samantha Butler. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says it's difficult for Washington to assess whether Hong Kong still enjoys a high degree of autonomy from Beijing. The U.S. State Department is required by Congress to rule on the SAR's autonomy as it considers whether to maintain its special economic privileges. Mr. Pompeo said recent events in LegCo and the trial of pro-democracy leaders on illegal assembly charges made that complicated. A school principal says it's complying with strict social distancing rules despite the fact that many students arrive on crowded public transport. The English Schools Foundation, which operates more than two dozen schools, begins a phased reopening from tomorrow. Harry Brown, the principal of ESF's Renaissance College, says that Year 12 students will attend daily while other students will attend on alternate days. And the World Health Organization says 106,000 new coronavirus cases have been reported, the most in a single day since the outbreak began. Speaking in Geneva, its head, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said the vast majority were in just four countries. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And uh, oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning and welcome to Thursday's Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan.